you've hit play on the screen companion an eclectic mix of film and tv recommendations Today, we're talking about 80s slasher films, specifically those set at summer camp. Joining me today are Stacy and newcomer, first-timer, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for um, popping my podcast cherry. Let's jump right into it. We have The Burning from 1981. Sarah, give us a little overview of it kids away at summer camp and they're messing with the caretaker and all hell breaks loose and then good five years later the caretaker's back and he's ready for his revenge so much of that movie reminded me of my childhood whoa how (laughs) (laughs) did you pull a prank on somebody and viciously burn them no but i went to sleepaway camps quite a bit when i was a kid and just the whole ambiance of the film it really just brought me back to my nostalgic childhood before technology and everything like that summer camp was the most important thing and the friends you made there were the most important friendships and stacy how would you summarize your first time watch of this Ah, mm. well, it was a movie, and it luckily had somebody to watch it with, you know? That's the best <laughs> way to put that. It was rough, but because someone was there, it was hilarious. This was my first time seeing it, but I've seen a lot of B-rated horror movies, and I've seen a lot of slasher films, and this was a pretty campy one, I would have to say. Camera work was definitely 80s. The lighting was 80s. So it brought back a nostalgia from my childhood. You say nostalgia, you just mean that you watched a lot of these types of movies as a girl because you're not that much (laughs) older than I am. I don't think you were really around in the 80s, right? No, I was born in 86, but you know, (laughs) just the whole I watched a lot of these growing up with my friends. Okay, so you're a real horror fan. Yes. Hardcore horror fan. (laughs) I'm not. I had never heard of The Burning. What are your thoughts on the amount of horn dogs in this movie? Two of the subplots involve boys doing their darndest to get into girls' pants. Were you ever bored with those scenes, or did they positively add to the realism of the setting? To see, I would say, young women, but they were obviously in their 20s, to see boobs, to see guys trying to constantly get in the girls' pants. And it took us forever to place Jason Alexander in that movie because his face looks so familiar. But when you think of Jason Alexander, you think of the half bald guy with glasses from Seinfeld. But it was the eyes just look so familiar that I had to get on IMDb and look right away. And Stacey and I were like, who is this? Oh, he was actually fairly good looking when he was younger with a full head of hair. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, we got to get that straight. I didn't say he was good looking. She tried to pass out the radar there. I got to nix that one out. (laughs) I knew that voice. I just couldn't pin it. Actually, as part of the story, Sarah, what do you think of all the sex in this movie? Horror movies and sex almost go hand in hand. Any major horror movie you've seen with even the last 20 years involve teenagers having sex or married couples having sex. Everyone's having sex in a horror movie. That's part of what gets you killed. Especially in this one. Yes. <laughs> Stacy, have you been to summer camp? Like you go away for a couple of weeks? Yeah. No. 
neither have I. Sarah, since you're the only one with any real experience out of the three of us, does the sexuality speak to your experience with summer camp? So it's interesting because the first camp I ever went to was actually, and here comes some laughter, it was a math and science camp for women at a private university. My neighbor was the director of the program, and so that's how I got into it. But it was a couple hundred girls, and we were at a college university campus in the middle of summer for about two weeks, just doing all these different math and science experience. And it was a lot of fun. And then when I got a little bit older, I went to Girl Scout summer camp. Um, That was a little bit longer. That was your typical summer camp where you're in these platform tents and you're showering every few days, but it didn't involve any guys. What ages were you when you went to these camps? Uh, I started when I was in the sixth grade and I went till about the end of high school. So if we focus on your end of high school time at camp, even though it was all girls, how much did sex and puberty play into your daily experiences? Once you hit a certain age, you know, you're 13, 14 years old, boys become the topic of every conversation. There was definitely a lot of that going on. The older that we got, there was a lot of discussion of sex and boys and all of that in general. So y'all like the glazes, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Not sure the glazers were my type when I was younger. I've never been attracted to blonde men. Glazer being one of the characters in The Burning, it's funny that you would mention he's a blonde guy before he's a terrible bully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you're in high school, you can forgive a guy being a terrible bully if he looks good and he doesn't bully you. Ladies all love the bad boys. We really do. There's something about a good bad boy. Speaking of bad boys, Stacy, slasher movies, they live and die by the quality of the bad guy. How do you feel the villain in this measures up? He was burned. He never missed his target. And uh, his weapon, his shears. His ever sharp shears? Yes, never dulled. No matter what he cut through, who he cut through. He also seemed to move really fast, considering he was, I think, burned over his entire body. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he could rub the best of them. His physical therapist must have been high-fiving each other, like, look at how mobile this guy is. Awesome. <laughs> but I feel like that's a quality for any villain in a horror movie, is you have to be able to run like the wind. <laughs> They'd certainly fall back on that trope. But I don't know how much I really need that aspect of a slasher. Like the chase scene toward the end with Alfred. He seemed to even get ahead of Alfred once or twice. Yeah, he was standing on the rocks when Alfred was just running up to him. (laughs) (laughs) It's dramatic, but moments like that take me out of slashers. And it's one of the reasons I don't really seek them out too much. Because I'm always thinking like, oh, come on. He just appeared out of nowhere. He's Houdini. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly what I thought in this one, man. Like, that was a, that was rough. But I do have to give it some credit. I feel like they really made effective use of the maxim, less is more, by having the killer, aka Cropsy. His presence looms over the scenes without overexposing him physically. And I even feel like the one shot we get of his burned face, I think it should have been left out since the character was largely served by audience imagination. What did you think of the reveal of what he looked like? I was pleased. They did an excellent job. 
I want to see more of Cropsy Ice after that. He looks straight out of Power Rangers, man. I was thinking of Putty Patrol. He kind of reminded me of that character from the Goonies. Hey, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, what do you think of the quality of the cast? You mentioned Jason Alexander. We also have first-time appearances by Holly Hunter, Fisher Stevens. Do you think these campers exist just to become mincemeat, or do they add something more to it? I think they existed purely for either sexualization purposes or to become minced meat. None of these characters had any real quality or any real depth to them. They were just there. But my boy Glazer was good. Alfred was good. Yeah, both of those guys spent the whole movie trying to get laid. And one of them, when they did get laid, it was a two-pump chump. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I mean, Alfred was peeping Tom 5000. <laughs> I can't defend Alfred on that one. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I agree with you, Sarah, that there's not too much to these campers, I did end up feeling bad when everyone got killed. The ostensible hero, Todd, I didn't want to see him get gored. In that sense, the movie was successful, and kudos to the cast for being human enough for me to care. You didn't want Todd to get gored, even though he was one of the ones who set up Cropsy in the beginning? Well, I was going to ask about that later, but let's get into it now. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that Todd is an effective hero, or is he as despicable as maybe a Glazer or Alfred? In every horror movie, there's got to be the hero. There's got to be the one kid that lives through it all. There's got to be that one, and I guess if it had to be anyone, it might as well have been him. Definitely not a glazer. Should not have won. Should not have lived. None of the characters had any redeeming qualities to me. I thought it was cool that you have this final guy as opposed to a final girl, but as far as who could have been like a pure hero, There was his female counterpart. She could have been inserted in those scenes more. She was inserted all right, but um, not in more (laughs) scenes, I would say that. It was the 80s. The woman's job was to seen and not be heard. But on the flip side of that, maybe the, the women aren't written very well. You also have the male characters in this movie that just come off as complete pigs and don't really make me feel very good to be a guy. (laughs) 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 what do you think was the best kill in this movie i'm gonna have to go with cropsy partly because it was karma and part of it was it had me laughing a little the way a man who's been severely burned was able to dodge that fire gun like he was evander (laughs) holyfield and (laughs) sorry the axe swings like evander holyfield during his match with tyson was nothing short of hysterical Well, and he gets like a triple death scene. He gets stabbed. He gets burned. (laughs) It always makes me think of Scream 2, where he says you've basically got to blow his head up, light him on fire, or shoot him in the head. And he pretty much did all three in the kill scene. (laughs) How about you, Stacey? Your favorite kill? My favorite kill was the canoe. Six of the kids rolled up on the canoe saying, oh, my God, that's our canoe. We got to get it. And I guess the 80s. 
And it's taking him like 20 minutes to get to the freaking canoe, man. Like, it's taking forever in this scene. It did. I was certain that Karen was going to be in that canoe and yeah. not Cropsy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Karen's going to be in there. Freaking Karen. That's a little bit hard to stomach plot-wise as well. You got these kids riding a raft back to camp because Cropsy has taken away their canoes. So are we to believe that Cropsy was just sitting in that canoe, burning in the sun for a few hours at least, <laughs> waiting for these kids to come up on him? I mean, he's in got his a trench coat, right? <laughs> forget his trench coat. He's yeah, got a hat, <laughs> a hat and a trench coat. He's protected from the sun. And are we to believe that he was able to get low enough into that canoe that those kids wouldn't have spotted him until they were right up on the canoe? <laughs> Listen, you're a serial killer. You are not subject to the regular rules of humanity. <laughs> As much as I'm ragging on it, I do love the raft scene. The quick pacing, the ruthlessness of the slasher felt like a really cool gut punch. Except for maybe Eddie, the skinny dipping horn dog. It was a raft full of all right kids that were getting annihilated, and I felt bad for them. I can't believe it! Eddie, Eddie! Get ready to grab it, man. I'm going on. Everybody, I'm rolling. Let's go! We're gonna go on. All right. That's what happens when you go to summer camp, though. That's the risk you got to take when you go in the woods in the middle of nowhere. Sarah, if there were a serial killer at your summer camp, how do you think you'd react? Oh, I'd have been in full-blown panic mode. I probably would have been the first one dead, sliced across the neck. Who knows? Well, good. At least you can admit it. No <laughs> delusions there. <laughs> Stacy, do you have any criticisms for the burning? That lighting, though. Lighting, definitely a rough one. Like we mentioned, when Eddie was trying to get some by skinny dipping, ooh, horrible lighting that's in. They were shooting day for night, weren't they? I feel like they used some post-processing to try to make it darker, but it was too dark. 100%, because at one point in time when they were skinny dipping, everybody looked orange. <laughs> Besides that, there's probably like two other things. Like The biggest thing was the first kill, Cropsy's first kill. I didn't enjoy that. That made no sense to me. Why he had to kill the prostitute? Yeah. Because she was horrified by the way he looked. She called him a freak, told him to get away and get out. Sarah, I like that pun. She was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel? You're just trying to get laid after being in the hospital for six months. You just want to, you know, come and go, so to speak. And she's over here laughing at you. True, true. But still, like, did he use shears or scissors on that one, though? Did he kill it with scissors? It wasn't his ever-sharp 5,000 shears that he had. Sadly. I'd love to know where he got those, because <laughs> it would be great for around here. Always thinking of doing some yard work, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's one other scene. This is more of a continuity. Continuity on this one. The raft that the kids sailed off in, they died. But apparently they're downstream. So it's floating back to the rest of the campers. And our female counselor, I can't remember her name. She did look good, though. But, uh, <laughs> you know, she sees the rats. She's like, oh, my God, we got to check the kids. She goes out there, swims up to it. She gets to the raft. She grabs one of the kids. <laughs> but it's just the arm. She screams, chucks the arm in the water, flips around, flailing. All of a sudden, one of the kids' bodies just floats up from underneath the water. I don't know. That scene lost me, man. It was good, but it lost me. 
some weird editing stuff in this. There definitely was. The final confrontation at that abandoned mine where we just see a quick flash of Karen and it's just a still image of her. That was weird. Well, I don't think it was an abandoned mine. I thought it was the original Camp Blackfoot because when Cropsey burned, it burned the whole camp down, supposedly. And he went back to live in whatever was left. Yeah, but we only seen him. Only his little shack burned down. (laughs) But he was telling the horror story by the campfire. He said that the whole camp burned. Todd did say that, yeah. Well, you wonder how much of that did happen and how much of it he was making up for the campfire story. That's true. What other criticisms can you think of, Sarah? So I don't love, and this is typical with the 80s horror movies, is how they always try to give you the killer's camera point of view. Like, you know, they make a second camera and it's always shaky and it has like this weird tunnel blurred vision, you know, where it's the outside's a little bit blurry, but you can see very clearly as to what the killer's focusing on and the camera's shaky. And I don't love that because I don't feel that it adds any benefit to the story. We know the killer's in hiding. We know he's going to pop out when you least expect him for a nice murder, but I don't need the extra point of view for the sake of the film. I think one POV is nice. In this movie, I think the reason why it is blurry around the edges and not the easiest thing to see is because since it is from his POV and he's all burned up, I figured it had affected his vision. Well, that's what I figured, too. I figured he was probably partially blind or deaf or both. But then just have the one time doing that. Mm-hmm. I didn't need that throughout the rest of the movie. No, but it's very reminiscent of the genre at that time. Now, I want to get into the weirdo bullied kid, Alfred, and the main camp counselor, Todd. Sarah, do you think Alfred is a misunderstood underdog or a creep that needs to be charged with a crime? He's a creep that needs to be charged with a crime. Why is he obsessed with watching everybody else have sex throughout the entire movie? Obviously, no woman is having sex with him, but he's obsessed with everybody else getting it on. Yeah, and when he's peeping at Sally toward the beginning. In the shower, yeah. And they confront him and he says, oh, I was trying to scare her, prank her, get back at him for picking on me. You could have found another way to scare her. You could have jumped out of a closet. Instead, you picked the showers. And as a woman who's had a guy walk in uninvited while you are in the shower, it is not something we enjoy. Oh, that sounds like a horror all on its own. Yeah, that was a, that was a college experience. It was not a good one. Stacy, getting back to Todd, overall, do you think he's a good guy? Honestly, yeah. He may be a little creepy around the edges, you know? But like his homies, he was there for him. He helped him out. He was cool. Glazer didn't like him. But he lit a man on fire. Todd didn't. He was part of that group. Yeah, but Todd tried to save him. He was like, oh my god, he's on fire, guys. Let's put him out. (laughs) That's not trying to save him. He was not trying to save him. They were all trying to save their own asses. Okay, okay, come on. Let's get serious. Come on. Who sleeps with a gas can in the room? (laughs) Who knocks a burden of skull onto their bed? A drunk man. A guy sleeping in a work shed. (laughs) 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 Trying to save somebody isn't the same as just pointing out the terrible thing that's happening to them. Like, if I see somebody get mugged, and I just stand there and go, that dude just got mugged, that's not me helping. And then it's true. He tried to save him, you know, he, he put forth some effort. 
Really? Did he call 911? Did he run and get an adult and try to get help? No, he watched the guy on fire, roll down a hill, and then land in a body of water and was like, well, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so are we to believe that Cropsey rolls down the hill into the water and nobody looks for him? He's the drunk caretaker for all anybody else thought at the camp. He did that to himself. One less guy we need to give a paycheck at the end of the week. One less drunk. (laughs) So you say this, but even the doctors, the doctor even said, like, don't get revenge on the kids. Don't kill the kids. Everybody knew what happened. Man, fuck them kids. I wanted to like Todd, and he looked a little repentant at the very end, watching Cropsey burn for a second time. (laughs) (laughs) With that fire blasting gun that Cropsey came out of nowhere with. Oh, God. I think at the end of the day, Todd isn't a very good character. He's not a very good guy because when you look at the scene where he is retelling the story as a campfire story to the kids, that just doesn't sound like a guy who feels bad about what he did, that he's going to recount it for the campers. I mean, that's true. And he spends the whole movie trying to get laid. (laughs) But he tries to save people. He has some redeeming qualities. Come on, folks. He gets back out there, man. And he tries to prove his worth. By banging another counselor in the middle of the woods? Hey, that counselor also said he was soft on everybody. He was the nice guy at the camp. He wasn't soft on her. Yeah, he was not. (laughs) (laughs) And Stacy, if you're saying this is a story of redemption, he doesn't redeem himself very well. A dozen campers get killed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Todd didn't know, okay? He didn't know, man. And the only one that he directly saves is that creepy Alfred. So (laughs) Creepers stick together, bro. (laughs) What's the sales pitch for this movie if somebody's coming to it as a horror fan? Definitely a lot of kill scenes. If you're somebody who wants to see a decent amount of kill happen in some movies, I would say this is a pretty good one. Part of the appeal of a horror movie, right? You want to see people get sliced up and you want to see it done creatively. Well, for some sick freaks, sure. (laughs) Let's take a moment to thank TSC fans from around the world. Tell us which of our recommendations you liked and who your favorite guests are via the screen companion at gmail.com. Further support the host by purchasing a digital or print copy of his sci-fi novel, Traversal, The Weight of Worlds. Available on Amazon. I'm going to assume you've seen Friday the 13th. I've seen Friday the 13th. I've seen Halloween. I've seen all the screams. I've seen all the saws. I've seen, you name it, I've seen most of it. Stacy, I'm afraid for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Take away all the shears you can find. (laughs) Well, they're not ever sharp, so I think I'm okay. My history with slasher flicks, I'm on the cusp of being anti-slasher. What? Yeah, I feel like there's so many cheap and insipid examples that I hardly ever seek out movies from this. Halloween, Friday the 13th, I never got into those. I did like one or two of the Elm Streets. But Sarah, with all your background in horror movies, what drew you to them? Like at an early age, why did you want to watch them? 
I had a friend um, when I was in elementary school that was super into them. So she would put them on and I just got into them. I think the first one we ever watched was the original Stephen King's It with Tim Curry. That's a good starter. It was a good starter. And as somebody who was, I think I was in third or fourth grade, you know, it was a bit of a mind fuck for me. I was careful walking past the storm drains for a while. And then we started watching Scream and we watched some more Stephen King movies like Carrie, Pet Cemetery, and just kind of took off from there. My first horror movie that messed me up was The Lost Boys. <laughs> and now I watch it and it's like what was there to be scared of you got that saxophone guy <laughs> <laughs> I think when I saw the first Saw movie that one actually fucked me for a while but now I can watch them on a Sunday afternoon when it's sunny outside I'm like yeah let's saw off our own feet to get out of this joint <laughs> I don't seek them out but when someone recommends a good one or one that I'd enjoy I watch it and give it a shot out of the uh, really popular ones, which one have you liked the most? That's tricky, because the one I've liked the most is Freddy. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. But at the same time, when I was a kid, I scared the crap out of me. Which of the movies? Oh, I think it was number two or number three, because my mom's boyfriend at the time, he loved those movies. And all we do is just watch them with him. Are you thinking of The Mental Hospital? No, it's one, I think it's the one with the kids where they went to sleep in the house. I mean, that's pretty much every Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait till you fall asleep and get real close to your ear and be like, one, two, Friday's oh, you know, coming for you. I might punch you. I might, punch you. you. I might wake up with a punch. You'd be out. You'd be out. <laughs> oh, well, the more we talk about this stuff, I feel like you're one of my horror experts now. <laughs> I've just, I've seen a lot of them and I enjoy them and I'm always willing to give one a shot, even if it's a disappointment. I'm not. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All I know, Stacy, with how critical you are with most of the things we do on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that critical. You are very critical when it comes to movies. And all you love are these, like, sci-fi fantasy K-dramas. Yeah, because they have plot armor. <laughs> you can't go wrong with plot armor, you know? Yeah, I can see why we don't see eye-to-eye on a lot of stuff, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the second movie of today's episode, Sleepaway Camp from 1983. So this is about shy Angela and her outspoken cousin Ricky getting sent to camp in between moments of being bullied by other campers led by mean girl judy a series of murders ruin the camp's viability as fearful parents pull their kids out of the program sarah this being a first watch for you what were you left feeling when the end credits rolled this movie was very rapey it was more rapey than the burning was you've got the pedophilia chef working in the kitchen the old guy who ran the whole camp who was trying to sleep with counselors. Everybody was trying to put their dick anywhere they possibly could throughout the whole movie. That counselor, Meg, though, she seemed pretty receptive. Yeah, she was receptive, all right. She was into that old grandpa-daddy issues. Even sweet, innocent Paul was trying to get all up on Angela's stuff. Why would you describe Paul as rapey? Because he was pushing her. He wanted to touch her. He wanted to kiss her. He wanted to do more, more, and more. 
when she suggested that they go swimming naked, I pretty much thought that he was going to come right then and there. (laughs) And what was with everybody's short ass shorts in those movies? What was the counselor's name who freaking had the Moose Knuckle 5000? (laughs) Ronnie. Yes. Ronnie was obsessed finding the shortest shorts he could possibly find. Like, there were several instances where I was certain somebody's dick was just going to fall out of the side of their shorts. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different movie. Stacy, how well did the camp life hold your attention in between kills? It was actually pretty good. You know, it's like what I expected from a 80s camp, man. Everybody trying to get the dick wet. And everybody loved crop tops and short shorts. If you were a counselor, you had to wear a crop top. That was like the uniform. Guys running around in crop tops with their furry stomachs and... Dicks almost popping out of shorts. (laughs) Jesus, you guys and the dicks popping out of shorts. I mean, I'm just saying. You guys are perfect for each other. In their defense, Frank, it was hot outside, right? Summertime? Yeah, you imagine. Although I think they actually shot the movie in the fall. The overnight camping trip, and the guy was wearing jeans and a plaid flannel. Yeah, and they mentioned it got cold at night. Probably in New York or somewhere. I believe so. Either New York or New Jersey. And you can tell from some of the kids' accents. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But I like that. It gives it some specificity. It doesn't just feel like a generic Hollywood movie. Right. Getting away from the sex and dicks and shorts for a second. (laughs) This compared to the burning, we should mention Angela and how in this movie, I really felt for her victimization. I felt like it added some pathos, which a lot of slasher flicks tend to ignore, and it provides tragedy to the ending that goes beyond the violence of it. And I don't want to spoil... This film does have some controversy regarding its portrayal of Regardless of what the filmmakers may have intended, and they have spoken about it in interviews, how does it strike you? Do you see it negatively, or do you feel like the film incorporated it well? Throughout the whole movie, you kind of got this vibe. Not everything is as it appears. And I think it played well into that. And then once you know what happens at the end, it really does explain some of her behavior earlier in the movie. Absolutely. Stacy, what do you think was the best kill? It's a real toss-up between the director's death and our girl Judy. (laughs) Judy. I'm kind of surprised you say Judy, because I felt her death scene was too ambiguous with the whole shadow play against the wall. It took me a couple watches to even figure out what might have happened to her. Like, what do you think happened to her in that scene? She was smothered with a pillow. Well, she was branded and then died by suffocation. Yeah. She was being smothered with a pillow, I should say. And then I think we use the curling iron for just, you know, additional suffrage. So not only are you not able to breathe and you're dying, but I'm going to go ahead and burn you as well. Yeah, but before all that happened, she took one smooth random punch (laughs) to the jaw. (laughs) One punch out of nowhere. The camera angle, everything on that punch was just perfect. If you go back and watch it, you die laughing because it came jaw and she was out. She was. Like she was in the boxing ring, just... Out, man. 
But she was such a good bully that when that moment happened, it's not very creative, but it was very satisfying. Yeah. Hey, Angela. How come you never take showers when the rest of us do? Huh? You haven't reached puberty yet. Is that it? That's enough, Judy. Angela's allowed to shower in the morning or any other time she wants to. She takes showers when no one can see. She has no hair down below. Judy! She's a real carpenter's dream. The lad is a board and needs a screw. Her and Meg got what was coming to them. I was a little joyous in that kill. I really liked the way they showed the boy at the very end. He's in someone's lap. Yes. It looks like he might be sleeping. Yes. And then his head rolls away from his body, and it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we can't forget the director, though, man. The director. The director meets the killer after hurting somebody. I mean, even in the beginning, the head chef for the camp, the boiling water incident, it really tied into the movie we had just watched. Somebody's skin melting off. The movie takes place within the camp itself for the most part, and you're not having all these crazy scenes with all these high special effects and all that kind of stuff. And they both did the whole killer's point of view. Killer cam. Killer cam. I love it. Killer cam's the best cam. Seeing as how you have been to summer camp, Sarah, with bullying being a big part of both movies, how much did you relate to that? Did you see a lot of bullying going on when you were there? No, not really. In fact, it was all very low drama. We were all there to just enjoy the summer camp and make new friendships and just have a lot of fun. And the fact that they were all female, I think probably helped with the drama because had it been co-ed, then I think, you know, we'd be fighting over boys. What criticisms do you have, Sarah, for Sleepaway Camp? There were a lot of kills, but it wasn't very gory. And I would have loved to have seen more gore. Agreed. I think the goriest kill was the first one in the movie. And from there, it was very lackluster. Seeing a bunch of torn up sleeping bags that were bloody with little kids in those, that didn't do it for you? (laughs) I knew the kids were dead, but I was like, you could have done better than this. It's funny you mentioned that. The director made it a point to try to tone down some of the violence and gore. That explains the way Judy's death was shot. But why? I get the feeling from interviews and watching behind-the-scenes stuff about Sleepaway Camp. The director wanted to try to do something different. He pointed at the relationships between the kids and actually having child actors. Mm -hmm. What a big difference compared to The Burning. I could not tell who was a camper and who was a counselor. Yes, I forgot to mention that. Yes, man, yes. The teens were definitely in their 20s in both movies, though. A few of them, but in Sleepaway Camp, Angela and Rick were portrayed by actors that were 13 and 17, respectively. Even Paul looked more appropriate for a camper than they did in The Burning, I will say that. I think the team drama works well in Sleepaway Camp, so much so that I wish there was more Angela. 90% of the actress Felissa Rose's character is in her haunting gaze. And as great as that is, 
She could have been even better with a few more scenes that had her talking or reacting to camp life outside of being bullied. Yeah, or outside of trying to push off Paul, who's trying to get all up in her shorts. There's too much audience participation filling in that character. (laughs) I wish it was more rendered on screen, because when I think about the movie, I can just imagine what her backstory was and what she went through. But it's also like, well, geez, I could just write my own fanfic. I'd like to actually see this in the movie. Right. That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, You know, I would have appreciated a little bit more of the Angela backstory to tie the film all together. Stacy, does the ending twist feel good or does it feel like too much too late? It's definitely too much. I did not expect that at all. But at the same time, it explained a lot what's going on throughout the movie. Like a lot of things that could have been done by a certain person were done strength wise. Well, you guys mentioned that it had you laughing, right? It did. It had her laughing. I was in shock, man. I was like, wow. Let's start with Stacy. So, what was the shock for you? The shock just, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Without spoiling, that's all I can say. Damn. It's one of those, like, really messed up twists that just mess with your brain. Straight psychological. Does the twist instantly open up that character to you or does it change the way you look at the rest of the movie like oh this was this was the type of horror movie it was option b i would say like it's weird man (laughs) (laughs) for you sarah what specifically about that moment at the end had you laughing to me just the whole ending itself was just so comical because I knew from pretty early on in the movie who the killer was and everybody that died in that movie, they had what was coming to them because of their involvement with that particular character. So for them to just take that sharp left turn was shocking, but comical all at the same time, just because of how it was presented. Do you feel like if you take that detail away from the character, the twist... Like, the explanation of why these murders were happening, like you just said, it happened to people. It seemed like they were getting their comeuppance. Would that have been enough of a justification for you? Absolutely. Most of those campers were a bunch of assholes. (laughs) To each other, everybody was just looking out for self. So they absolutely had what was coming to them, regardless of the twist at the end or not. Stacy, what did you think of that one prank? where they're telling the boy to think about his mental power over his body and, oh <laughs> and when he's going to sit up, that he's not going to be able to make himself sit up, and they have him blindfolded, and when he does do it, they have another kid right on top of him with his ass out. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny, but Sarah enjoyed that scene way more. Man. Because that's something that me and my friends would have done when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Sarah, I mean, I'm a dude and we didn't even do that. Well, I hung out when I was a kid with a lot of... With some cool girls. With a lot of boys. And then I also had a lot of female friends and we were very, I don't want to say pervy, but we would have done stuff like that. I mean, we locked each other in closets, turned all the lights off. We'd fart in each other's sleeping bags. Like, come on now. Damn, damn, brutal. Y'all vicious. Get into the pink eye like that? (laughs) 
I feel like Sleepaway Camp has this wonderful layer of multiple theories of who killed who. It sounds like for you, Sarah, it came down to one person doing the killings. Did you ever question who was doing them, or was it totally clear for you throughout? It was pretty clear to me throughout the whole film who the killer was. Wow, really? I felt like there was two people doing the killings at certain points. The second one was a little too obvious, and so therefore I knew that they wouldn't have made them the killer. For your consideration, Sarah, I subscribe to the idea that there were two killers. I think did all of them except for the last two. Partly because in the behind the scenes they say that they wanted there to be some ambiguity, at least for a while, who was killing who. So they did use that actor to do the hand work in certain shots. The only time I thought it was was in the very beginning with the pervy camp cooker 5000 when he was trying to get Angela to look at his nice surprise in the walk-in fridge. That was the only time I thought it was So you have that for sure. And the only two that I think were done by Mel and the boy at the end. Definitely the boy. <laughs> Definitely the kid at the end. <laughs> but Mel, because he had just beaten up Ricky, so there's no way could have done that one with the arrow. But I think also possibly another reason killed Mel was because Mel was in on the molestation alongside the head cook. Oh, absolutely. There was so much molestation happening at that camp, and I think it was partially that. But I also think maybe because of everything that had gone on in life, you know, that had that intuition that he was that type of person and yeah, f this guy. At the very end, what really makes this movie stick out for me and why I went so far as to get it on Blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> is I see the character giving into madness either through confusion or self-hatred or resentment of the treatment they endured throughout the movie. Mm. And it just made him so tragic and memorable to me in a way that a lot of slasher movies just don't really have much going on, either with the villain or with the themes they're playing with in the movie. So I'm going to say for horror fans, I think they should check out Sleepaway Camp as a bit of counter-programming. If you're burnt out on the super grisly kills and maybe some overly simplistic plots, then give this a shot. And for non-horror people, I'd sell this movie as John Hughes' teen drama meets Friday the 13th. <laughs> it's definitely a nostalgic film. You know, now we're so desensitized to violence that these kills have to be next level. You can't just stab somebody with a knife anymore. You've got to really have the shock value behind the kills where these movies in the early 80s, the burning sleepaway camp, it was much more simplistic because we weren't as desensitized. And I love that this is before smartphones, so the kids aren't looking at their phones constantly. Oh, of course, because then we just tweet about the killer and they'd find him in the next five minutes. Because <laughs> of GPS on his phone? Be like, find my iPhone. Okay, Cropsy's out there in the abandoned campground. Let's go get him. Let's do some TSC ratings. On a scale of zero to four, two being average, I'm going to go through some aspects of these movies, and I'd like you guys to rate each aspect for me. Starting with story, the burning. I'd give it a one to a two. I'd just give it a two. 
It's 80s. I give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I gave it a one. How about Sleepaway Camp? Uh, that would have to be a solid one for me. Wow, you rated high on this one. <laughs> really high. I gave it 0.5. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Stacy, why? <laughs> because the only thing I enjoyed really was the kills. They made the movie for me. They were creative, interesting, but overall the movie just, it lacked it. Okay, I gave it a two. As much as I liked Angela, <laughs> you can't really build even an 80 minute long movie. One character that's there staring for some of the scenes. Yeah, it's not really going to cover it. No. Characters, Sarah, the burning. Uh, that's going to be a one for me. These characters had no depth to them. 1.5 to 2. They were there. You didn't interact with them too much, you know? Like, we didn't get a taste of who everybody was. I think there were too many characters to really be able to focus because I did find myself forgetting a lot of the names. I gave them a 2. They felt real enough. Again, I did care about seeing them get slaughtered, so I wasn't totally desensitized. That was nice. Didn't help that half the women had their boobs out. I feel like that helped, though. (laughs) (laughs) You say half the women, but there were only two booby shots. (laughs) Although in one case, we got a full on, even under poorly lit conditions. There was a little bit of a bush popping out. Characters in Sleepaway Camp. I'm going to give these a two and a half. We got a lot more backstories to the characters, and there was a little bit more character depth in this movie. I'll give it a solid two. I'm going to go three. I mean, we got a lot of backstories and a lot of depth that we didn't get in The Burning. We did, but like certain characters really dove into. And another two where they just glossed the surface over, like Judy. I want a little more of Judy. You just want to see Judy's tits. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Judy was definitely above age, folks. If you're wondering, she did not look high school at all. I hope you're right about that. (laughs) I don't want to look that up now. (laughs) Well, apparently in the 80s, it was all fine. So. So it's the beginning of the movie. It's nothing but a number. (laughs) What's that saying I always used to hear? If there's grass on the field, play ball. If not, turn around and play in the mud. Oh, exactly what they said. Exactly what they said. Okay, uh, creativity of the kills in The Burning. I'd give that one like a a one and a half to a two. You always saw the Eversharp 5,000 shears come out before somebody was killed. So you knew it was coming. You said four is the highest we can go, right? Yeah. Give it a five. Oh, Stacy, shut your face. <laughs> I know, you should see my face right now. Slap him. Slap him. Give him a Judy punch. <laughs> <laughs> I said because just the murder weapon was unexpected and never dulled, but it keeps you entertained. Something so simple, you know? It was good. I would have liked at least a couple insert shots of watching Cropsy actually sharpen those blades in between kills. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought they were too. They were pretty average for the creativity of the kills. Some of the lighting, like we mentioned, that the staging on some of the shots weren't great. No. But the shots in the raft kills, that was pretty good. That was probably the best scene in the whole movie. How about the creativity of the kills in Sleepaway Camp? 
I'd give that one closer to a three because at least there was a lot of variety with the kills. We weren't watching everybody get stabbed or everybody getting burned. People died different ways. I only give it a two because the deaths did lack that pizzazz, that flavor. I'm going to give the creativity a one. Conceptually, I think they're great, but that gigantic pot that burns the pedophile <laughs> pretty awkward and weird even if it is a real thing that is used in a kitchen i've never seen one that big and talking about that hornet's nest scene great concept but a symptom of the budget it's not until like the last shot of that scene that we actually see any insects right so that was funny in a bad way you heard all the buzzing and you were like okay <laughs> where are they Now, the ending of the burning. I'd give it a 1. I was very unimpressed. I'm leaning a 1, 1.5. Just because of satisfaction. You were laughing. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why it's so satisfying. Everything that went down was just, it felt good. Yeah, I thought it was a 2. It wasn't terrible. Him getting dispatched three different ways. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sarah, how about the ending to Sleepaway Camp? I gotta give it a two and a half just because it made me laugh. At least it's some kind of emotional response. (laughs) Just the freeze frame at the end of the movie. Freeze frame on that face was just hysterical to me. So you could take it all in. You know, you gotta take in the full picture. Absorb it. Well, I absorbed it. (laughs) Yeah, I just give that a zero, man. (laughs) Whoa. Damn. It was too shocking for me, dude. It was too much. It overwhelmed me. I didn't expect it for once. And I didn't want to see a part two after that. Had it been a pair of D-sized titties, he'd be singing a different story. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Well, this is where I need to flip the script on you, Stacey. I'm going to give this a solid four. Even though, actually, when I saw it the first time, I did know the twist at the end. Because, unfortunately, in the internet age... It's hard to look up anything about this movie without it being spoiled. Without seeing the ending. Yeah, and nowadays I do like to research a little bit before I watch something just because there's so much crap out there now. There really is. It was actually knowing the twist that got me interested in seeing how it fit into the narrative. Even knowing the twist, I did enjoy it. They held way too long on face. <laughs> and they even came back to it. If you watch through the credits, it even comes back at the end. It's like, oh my god. The green lighting gave me very Leprechaun vibes. Yeah, I don't really think it helps the movie to make those references. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it, Sarah. Did you like Leprechaun? I've actually not seen it either because it just looks like something that I would probably turn off 10 minutes in. What? I love Leprechaun, man. I forgot about Leprechaun. Oh my god. Especially Leprechaun in the hood. (laughs) Our final segment, TLDL, too long, didn't listen. I'm going to ask you guys some rapid fire questions. Adjusted for inflation to $2023. Sleepaway Camp was made for about a million, and The Burning was closer to five million. Stacy, which movie gave better bang for its buck? The problem is I enjoyed The Burning more than Sleepaway Camp, but with the price tag on it, uh, it makes it hard. I saw more tinnies in The Burning, <laughs> so that's got to win for me. 
Sarah, who's got the creepier stare, Alfred or Angela? Angela. Both of these movies are pretty short. Which one do you think would benefit from another 10 minutes of plot development or extra kills, Stacy? Sleepaway. Sarah, what's lamer? Wearing a t-shirt with your name on it like Judy does during the volleyball scene? Or Todd telling cliche ghost stories around a campfire? I'm going to have to go with Judy. Stacy, who's a better bully, Glazer or Judy? Glazer. Sarah, who's the hunkier camp counselor? Todd with his tiger beat good looks or Ronnie's muscular physique in those short shorts? I'm going to have to go with Todd. Stacy, which statement is truer? That the nudity in the burning was exploitative or that sleepaway camp could have used more? Ooh, based off age, they had older people in sleepaway camp? I'd go with that. Sarah, who would have been more satisfying to see eliminated at the end? Alfred or possibly the only killer in Sleepaway Camp? I'm going to go with Alfred. Stacy, would Hero Todd make Sleepaway Camp better? Or the killer slash killers in that movie sent to the camp in the burning? Oh, damn. You know what? Let's go with Todd. Sarah, which movie deals with bullying the best? Sleepaway Camp, no question. Final question for the both of you, starting with Stacy. If someone's exasperated by bad slasher movies, which of today's flicks do you respond with in hopes that it renews that person's faith in 80 slashers? Ah, that sucks. I gotta go with Sleepaway. This because it's different. It's not... It's not your typical killer. It's a twist on it. It's not just a straight slasher. A little hidden elements. I'd actually go with the burning on this one. Really? Yeah. You didn't like the twist personally, but you feel like it has value overall? Yes, exactly. Okay, that's cool. I like it. Any last things you want to say about either of these movies? Can't go wrong seeing either movie. I think they both bring something different to the table, and they both really a nostalgic type of horror movie. Do you think it makes for a good double billing? You definitely need a break in between, I would say, you know. (laughs) 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 We took a couple hour break between watching each movie. I wouldn't say that you want to watch both back to back. It is nice that the movies are shorter. No binging here. Not on that stuff. (laughs) 